good morning. And uh, Happy New Year. This is the first time I've seen most of you this year. And uh, so I hope that uh, you had a good Christmas. I'm just going to do some furniture rearranging here. Uh, it is great to be here. And uh, 2015, man, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a little bit hard to believe. When I look at these numbers and I think about, uh, you know, when, when you get to be uh, a little bit in this middle age range where I am, I think about being, you know, in ministry in my early 20s and, and uh, thinking that, that the year 2000 was, was way off. And uh, now we're 15 years past that. And, um, you know, my, my kids are leaving home and all this kind of stuff. But it's good. It's it's good thing. And I hope you all had a good Christmas and uh, are enjoying uh, the last little bits of your celebration before you head back to work tomorrow. Some of you may have already been back to work. I know I've been, you know, I've been working uh, this week and my wife as well. So, so we're kind of back into the groove already. But God has been so faithful. And uh, I think about uh, just starting this campus in, in 2011, October, uh, just a couple of years back. And uh, what God is doing and the way God is blessed. And uh, Pastor Rick and Amanda are now giving great leadership here. And uh, we're just so thrilled about that and about what they're doing. And uh, they are uh, enjoying some well-deserved time off over the holidays. And uh, so you get stuck with me today. Again, you're stuck with me. But uh, here we are. We're going we're gonna to jump in anyway. And uh, we're, we're starting a brand new series today. And I want to talk about that in just a minute. But our opening video uh, this morning, that, that is actually a prayer. Uh, the prayer of St. Francis Assisi, and he recorded that uh, a long, long time ago. St. Francis was born in the late 12th century to a prosperous businessman and his wife. And for all intents and purposes, St. Francis of Assisi had his life sort of laid out for him. He was uh, in a successful family, had a successful life and career ahead, but he was inspired one day by the words of a sermon to follow Jesus Christ. And St. Francis of Assisi's life uh, was never the same. You might have uh, suspected that because of the saint uh, that is before his name. St. Francis of Assisi's life was never the same. He would go on to embrace a life of poverty in order to preach and to care for the poor. And God just did a tremendous transformational work in his heart and in his life. And so we see those words of a prayer flash across the screen together. Very inspiring. In fact, it's downright challenging. And I, I don't know about you, but I read those words, you know, and, and he prayed the, these thoughts. Where there, is, where there is hatred, you know, let me bring love. Where there, is, where there is wrong, help me bring forgiveness. Where there's discord, uh, help me to bring harmony. Where there is error, I want to bring truth. And where there's doubt, I want to bring faith into people's lives. Where there's despair, I want to bring hope. That's what I want my life to be about. Where there's sadness, I want to bring joy and so many other things that he, that he mentions there. And seeing those words, I think, gives us pause to wonder. Uh, I don't know, you know, we, we see stuff like that and we think, is that even possible? Is it even possible for, for my life? You know, I don't know how you feel, but sometimes, you know, I, I get this feeling like just little old me, you know, God, what are you going to do through my life? And I know that we, we have thoughts like that. Well, I, for one, believe that, yes, it is possible. And as we begin a, a brand new year, uh, this Sunday we prepare for 2015. I want to help you so that this year, regardless of what challenges, regardless of what surprises or setbacks or opportunities, or disappointments or unexpected interruptions you may encounter, 
that at the end of this year, when it comes to the things that really matter in life, that 2015 could be your best year ever. We want to help you to, to be able to look forward to that. And so today as we start, we, we're also starting this brand new series called Revolution, Rethinking What's Best in Our Life and in Relationships. And this series is designed to help us begin the new year looking together at a better way to live. But before we jump into the series this morning, I want to make just a bit of a disclaimer at the out, right at the outset. Because the text, the passage that we're going to read today, um, is an episode that comes right out of uh, the life of Jesus. Well, why do I mention that? I mention it because I think sometimes, for many people, regardless of what you personally believe about Jesus being the Son of God, that most or all of us would agree that, you know, Jesus was a deeply religious, he was a morally perfect and, and remarkable human being. And because of that, our our tendency is to sort of put him into, you know, a league of his own, to think to ourselves, oh, I could never be as, you know, as good as Jesus. I could never be as holy as Jesus. I could never be as, as righteous as Jesus, as moral as Jesus. And while that may be true, Jesus was God in the flesh. He still was in the flesh. He was a man, fully man and fully God. And he lived here to be an example for us. And so I want you to to just kind of file that kind of thinking away this morning, if you would. Put it behind you today. I know it might be difficult, but I'm, I'm really asking that this morning you don't just sort of switch off and disqualify yourself from being able to achieve the principles that we're going to share with you today. And this is the reason. Because Jesus, uh, I mentioned he was a man. But he was a man who came from God and who came to make us better people. Jesus came to help us to live better lives. And he came to show us a better way to live. And because we have Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us, we also have access to the power of his Holy Spirit and to the the leading and the guiding of his spirit. And he helps us in life to be the better people that he calls us to be. There's not a single person here uh, in this room today who's listening to me this morning that is incapable of embracing the revolution that Jesus instigated in this world. There is a better way to live. And I want us to learn together today and throughout this series just exactly what that is. And so I want to take you to a couple of passages in the book of Luke. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can, uh, you can turn there with me, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. And um, I don't know if anybody needs a Bible, I think we do have some we can loan you this morning. If you need a Bible to follow along, does anyone need one? I'll just raise your hand if you do, and Meneer's watching. Um, turn to Luke 9, verse 51. I will mention uh, that we don't have very many slides today, okay? Uh, our graphic designer has been on vacation for two weeks, and so uh, we had her do some just basic uh, slides. But you can follow along in version if you're uh, using your uh, smart device. There is an outline there that's much more complete, and uh, you'll have most of the information that you want if you look up the live event for today's message. Luke 9, 51 to 56. And here's what it says. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus 
uh, returned and he, he rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went on to another village. Now drop down to Luke chapter 10, just a few verses down. It says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to go and, or to send out workers into his harvest field. You go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And I'm going to stop there because uh, we're going to pick up uh, on this text over uh, the, the next few weeks of our series as we talk about you know, engaging our world, about, about being involved in this revolution that Jesus brought about when he came to earth. And, and so here's this scenario that's in our text today. The, the window is closing on Jesus' time here on this earth. He knows that, that his ministry is, is coming to an end. Twice in chapter 9, he has, he has already predicted his death. And, uh, you know, to some confusion among his disciples, but he's told them, I'm, I'm going to die. This is going to happen. And so there's this sense of, of, of imminence as Jesus talks to his disciples and he prepares them for when he will no longer be with them. And in these two passages we've read together, we can discover some action steps for revolutionary lives, lives that will impact uh, the, the people around us in a positive way with faith and hope and with truth and joy and so many of the things that, that Francis of Assisi was talking about. Steps that will help us to rethink our life, to rethink uh, our relationships, how we engage with other people. Steps that will help us to join uh, the revolution. And the first step is this. We need to learn from Jesus to live intentionally. To live intentionally. If we, if we want to live lives that, that have an impact in our world, we, we've got to think differently. We've got to live with intention, to live on purpose. We need to know what it is that we're living for. You say, well, I, I know what I'm living for. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes we know, but, but the living intention part isn't happening. The living intentionally part isn't happening. As Jesus prepares his disciples for, for what was to come, here's what the author Luke noted about the way that Jesus carried himself. I love the, the body language here. Luke 9 and 51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. If you go back to some of the older versions, I think the King James Version says he set, he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. And uh, that was just, you know, an old way of saying he was, he was really determined. This, this was the next step for him as he walked forward in ministry. Uh, so, you know, I think about, about that word, resolutely. And, uh, you know, how many of you, I wonder, have made New Year's resolutions this past week? Anybody? Now we got a few. I actually saw somebody go, no way. Uh-uh. Uh, we're done with that. Um, but we tend to do this at New Year's time. And um, at the beginning of every year, we talk about these things and we make a determination to do something different, to do something better, to make some kind of change so that this year, you know, will be better than last year and, and so on. And, and like some of you, I've been watching this week to see what some of the buzz is around the celebrities and the resolutions that they're making. And, you know, most of them are pretty boring. They're, gonna, they're either going to get in shape or they're going to, you know, eat healthier or maybe read more for pleasure. I read a, a few like that. And um, there were some other things thrown in there. But resolving to do something, as you know, resolving to do something and actually doing it are two very different things, aren't they? 
uh, resolutions tend to, to fade. Uh, there, there tends to be, you know, a few days where we go strong and hard at whatever this new activity is. And then, you know, we get to, to uh, Memphis barbecue and we order the fries instead of the coleslaw, right? Anybody go to Memphis barbecue here? Great, great restaurant. Yeah. You just can't have the coleslaw. You got to do the fries. I, I don't know. It's hard. And so resolutions are, are like that. Some will achieve their goals, but some are just all talk. Jesus didn't just have a thought about how things were going to be different in this next season of his life. The Bible says that he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He went toward it. He walked forward toward it. He was living intentionally. That resolution, that word comes from the word resolute. It means characterized by firmness, by determination. And, uh, and that's why we call them New Year's resolutions, because we really, you know, we really do feel like we're determined to make this change. But when I think about, about determination, when I think about firmness and determination, about being resolute, I think uh, of a, you know, the look on the face of a, of a marathon runner as they struggle toward the finish line. Just that sheer determination on their, on their face. You know, I think about running 26, 26 yards and I get a little winded, okay? 26 miles is just like out of this, it's unbelievable. But when you look at those marathon runners, and I don't know if you've, you know, watched the marathon at the Olympics. We had Summer Olympics a few years back. And, and uh, I think of, of those who race to win and who have a shot at winning. But I also think of the ones, the many, who I have watched over the years who have no hope of ever, you know, placing in the race. They have no hope of getting a medal. They are just determined that they are going to finish. And the determination that you see on their face, the way that they strain toward that finish line so that they can know that they finished the race. Those athletes, they are resolute. They are determined. And they don't simply have good intentions because we all have good intentions, but they live intentionally. And there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference. They are running to finish the race. They have a purpose and a goal in mind, and they are not going to stop. They are not going to give up until, until they've completed. And this is, this is Jesus' intention. It was to complete the task that the Father had sent him to do. He knew he was going to his death. And already, his stated purpose on earth was to seek and to save those who were lost. The people that were far from God are who Jesus came for. And, and he came to preach God's kingdom to them, helping people find their way back to God. We talk about that a lot uh, around Portico. It's our mission statement. It's our, it's our mantra. It's what we're determined to be intentional about as a church. And we don't want it to be all talk. We don't want it to be all talk. I get very excited when, when someone can tell me what our mission statement is, helping people find a way back to God. When, when they can recite it back to me, that makes me really happy. But you know what makes me even more happier? is when we're living our lives so that we're actually helping people find their way back to God. A phrase is nice. A phrase is nice, but we need to learn to live intentionally. And I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? There are lots of people, a lot of people out there in, in our world, and I assume in our church, who are living intentionally, but their intent sometimes is all wrong, or it's, or it's skewed a little bit. They intend to build successful careers or businesses. They intend to have nice homes. They intend to drive nice cars and build huge nest eggs for retirement. And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. It's just that that kind of intentionality is all focused on me. It's all focused on, on self. 
But when Jesus calls us to live intentionally, he calls us to do something with the intent of impacting the lives of others in a positive way. When he set his face toward Jerusalem, he knew what he had to do. He knew that, that the, uh, the salvation of mankind rested on him following through. You say, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, that's okay because he didn't ask you to die on a cross for everybody's sins. He just asked you to share his love with other people and to be intentional about impacting the lives of others, helping people find their way back to God. Hopefoot Wubtig. Say that with me. Hopefoot Wubtig. Go ahead. That wasn't bad. Hopefoot Wubtig. H-P-F-T-W-B-T-G. Helping people find their way back to God. Jesus calls us to live for a higher purpose. And he asks us to seek first his kingdom. He challenges us to live for his purposes. He modeled it for us. He modeled for us the heart of a servant. And as he intentionally went to the cross to give up his life for many, he knew why it was that he came to, to restore relationship between man and God. And, and so to do that, he gave his life and he died on the cross. Living intentionally requires that we do what Jesus calls us to do, what he asks us to do. And that, that's why you know, we live the way that he calls us to live, not for ourselves, but for him and for others. I, I think of the word of the Lord to Joshua as he stood uh, you know, ready to go into the promised land. He's taking over leadership from Moses and leading his people. And living intentionally takes great courage. You know, Joshua was a young leader. He was, he was uh, you know, being handed the reins of leadership. Moses was, was dead. And now Joshua had to lead these people in. And in chapter 1 and verse 7, the, the word of the Lord to Joshua was this, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Leadership for Joshua was going to require Dogged determination, moving straight forward, not diverting in any direction. And, and courage, strong courage as he moved them forward. And so we need to live intentionally, but we also need to serve purposely. Serve purposefully. Purposefully. Living intention, intentionally leads to this. Okay, serving with purpose. As Jesus entered the last days of his earthly ministry, he not only set an example of intentional living by, by resolutely setting out for Jerusalem to do what he knew he had to do, but he also got his disciples involved in the action. He, he spurred them on to action, gave them instructions. He sent them out to get things ready for him. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 52, it says that he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. And so this idea of, of being sent now is, is introduced. And it's not a new theme. Jesus isn't doing anything or asking anything that, that he doesn't understand. And I want you to think about this. Jesus was sent. Uh, God sent his son into the world so that, so that we could be saved. He was sent. Um, you know, John the Baptist was sent to be the forerunner for Jesus. And we have this, this sending theme that works its way throughout Scripture. Thirteen times in the book of John, Jesus talks about being sent by the Father. And in John 21, he adds that not only was he sent by his Father, but he was also sending his disciples in the very same way. And he follows up in John chapter 20, verse 21. says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So this is not a new idea. And it's also a theme that will continue as the narrative goes on. Now Jesus is the one 
who does the sending. And we go to the, the, the text, the part of the text that we read in chapter 10, and it says there that he sent out 72, again, to all the towns and villages ahead of his visits, and he gave them instructions on how to carry out their responsibilities. Luke 10 and 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. But here in Luke 9 and 10, Jesus also gives some further direction in his sending of the disciples and the 72 to serve purposefully. He gave them something to do, to make ready, to go and get things ready for him ahead so that when he got there, uh, you know, everything would be in place. Incidentally, these 72 that he sends out two by two, many scholars believe that the number 72 is significant because 72 is the number of the known nations in the world at the time of Christ. And so scholars believe that Jesus chose 72 others because he wanted a representative for every, for every known nation because he was already opening uh, his heart and his ministry up to all of the Gentile nations and going beyond, going beyond just the Jewish, uh, the Jewish community. Jesus was sending people with the gospel to the Gentile nations even at this early point in ministry. But here's the other thing. He also warns them about distractions. Remember when I read about Joshua and God's, God's word to Joshua was, you know, don't, don't go to the right, don't go to the left. Avoid distractions. Uh, in Luke 9, the end of Luke 9, those verses that we didn't read together, you know, someone comes to Jesus and says, oh, I want to follow you. And Jesus, you know, says, well, okay, but it's not going to be easy. You know, I think these foxes have holds and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so this, this person who wants to follow Jesus says, well, okay, but just before we go, you know, let me go and, and bury my father who just died. And another person came and said, I want to follow you. And, and uh, he, he had another excuse that, that he wanted to wait. And, and Jesus informs both of them. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And, and in other words, this, we need to avoid the distractions that keep us from serving God the way that he's called us to serve him. We need to avoid the distractions that keep us from serving purposefully. You look at his further instruction in Luke 10, verse 4, to the 72 that he sent out. And it says, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Why is that? Because they're supposed to be rude and unfriendly? No. It's, it's because he doesn't want them to get distracted from the purpose, from the reason that he's sending them out. And so he's emphasizing this, this again with them. I love what, what uh, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4. He's using it as an illustration, talking about the military, but he says to him, he says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And so we have to understand about distractions. We have to think about what are the things, what are the things that distract us from, from being, you know, who God called us to be, from helping people find their way back to God? What are the things that, that pull us off to the right or to the left so that, so that we can't really, you know, do what we need to do in God's kingdom? And we all have to work and we all have to provide for our families and, you know, do, do all of the, the social stuff that we do. But sometimes we can, we can give priority to other activities that, uh, you know, that, that pull us away from, from what it is that, that Christ has called us to do. And this mandate, this, this sending, 
It's, it's happened for all of us. It wasn't just for Jesus' disciples and for the 72. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says again, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even the end of the age. You see how that, that cycle can work, right? Teach new disciples. So disciples, teach new disciples, and teach those new disciples to do everything that I've told you to do. So this is, a, this is an unending uh, discipleship model, okay? And that's the sending that's, that's happened. We are all sent to serve and to serve with purpose. That in your going or as you are going is how that translates. Therefore, go. Or, or in your going, as you are going, you are to make disciples. And this is how God decided that he was going to reach the world with his message of hope and his message of love. He wants to use us. And he, he promised to be with us to the end. And when the gospel has reached everyone then, he says, that's when the mandate will be over. And so we're, we're working together to reach the whole world to, so that they can hear the message. Matthew 24 and 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we're to live intentionally, more than just living with good intentions, more than, more than just having good intentions, but living intentionally. We're to serve purposefully. We're to, to take the responsibility of, of being sent, you know, seriously and, and do what it is that God has asked us to do. And then the last thing is this. Uh, we need to love unconditionally. We need to love unconditionally. And uh, this one's the hardest. The other ones might seem hard, but this one's the hardest. Because loving people sometimes is the most difficult thing in the world that we do. Um, you know, loving the people that we like Sometimes it's hard, right? It's okay. You don't have to look at them right now. Or, but loving the people that we like sometimes is hard. Loving people who don't love us back, that's nearly, that's nearly impossible. But that's what, that's what God asks us to do. He asks us to love people unconditionally, especially those who don't love us back. And Jesus showed us the way because he loved us When we were still sinners, the Bible says, he loves everyone, even those who are his enemies and enemies of God, his Father. And he calls us to that same kind of unconditional love for people. I want you to look at what happened uh, when Jesus sent those disciples ahead to the Samaritan village in Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, 53 to 55, it says, But the people there did not welcome him, because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Isn't that beautiful? Just, you know, the, the, their first reaction is, let's just burn them all, you know? How dare they? You know, how dare they not accept us, receive us, you know? But Jesus turned, it says, and he rebuked them. His words to them uh, are not recorded, but it says he rebuked them. That means he was a little bit nasty with them. He told them off because... This is not the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to build. Jesus' priority was was love. And so here's the thing. We won't always be welcomed with open arms. We may even encounter some resistance when we embrace and engage in this Jesus revolution. And in this case in Luke 9, you know, James and John, they're, they're ready to call down fire from heaven just like Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 1 and, and like he did at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And they just wanted to destroy these people who are not open to the coming of Jesus in their village. But Jesus turns and he tells them off. Why does he do that? Well, he does it because his kingdom 
is not a kingdom of, of vengeance. It's a kingdom of love. It's, it's a revolution of love. And, uh, you know, I think about, about the very, very famous verse that we all know and we see on the sidelines at football games and all that kind of stuff. But John 3, chapter 16, and, or John, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, where it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not have fire called down on them, <laughs> but would have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And yet I think so often our default is to judge. Our default is to judge. We look at the things that are happening in our world today. We see things all the time that we know are wrong, or we get treated in a way that we know is wrong. And like the disciples and, and Jesus, who were not welcomed into the, into the Samaritan village, sometimes we don't feel welcome when we're, when we're trying to, to live out Jesus' values in this world that is so messed up today. And our immediate response when we when we get that kind of reaction, is to want justice, is to feel like, you know, things should be fair, like something, you know, right should happen here. Like James and John, who wanted to call fire down from heaven. But I remember reading, um, I mean, I remember reading lots of things that can illustrate this, but, but I was reading uh, one of Andy Stanley's books. He's a pastor at a, a large church down in Atlanta, Georgia, North Point. And uh, he wrote a book called Deep and Wide, talking about his sort of his story transitioning from being a, a youth pastor working at his dad's church in Atlanta and then through to, to starting North Point and, and the way that they do ministry. And he shared a story uh, from his early years as a youth pastor working with his dad at that, at that large Baptist church in the city of Atlanta. And um, he recalled a day when there was a, a gay pride parade scheduled in Atlanta, Georgia, and they determined, they found out that the, the parade was going to go right along Peachtree Street that their church was on. And so his dad in his, in his wisdom, Charles Stanley, some of you have heard of him, you know, they, they got together, the leaders thought about this, and they thought, well, I know what we'll do. We'll have earlier services today so that we can dismiss the people and they can be in their cars and on their way home before the time, you know, that, that the parade comes. Because we don't, we don't really think that, you know, that's probably a good thing for the people to be sort of out there gawking at while they're leaving church. And uh, Stanley, Andy says, uh, you know, and true to form, because, because the best way to get, to, uh, to get people to, uh, to watch something is to tell them not to, right? Uh, he said, all that happened was that most of us got out early enough that we could line the streets and, and gawk and watch as this, as this parade went by. And he said, while the parade was happening, he noticed uh, something else was going on on the other side of the street. And there was another church, St. Mark's United Methodist Church, on the other side of the street from them. And instead of lining the streets and, and watching with disgust and, you know, those kind of pious looks on their faces, they had tables set up along the sidewalk. And they were handing out glasses of water to the people in the parade who were going by. And many of the people in the congregation were holding up signs that said things like, everybody welcomed and uh, come worship with us and God is love. And Andy says that the contrast was so stark and so embarrassing. He said, as I, as I stood there 
that day thinking about what this looked like, I understood that what I was seeing across the street was the reflection of, of who Jesus is. It's part of the, the revolution, you know, that Jesus has called us to be, to be a part of and to engage our community with unconditional love. And it's a, purpose, a perfect illustration for us today of the life that Jesus calls us to live in these passages that we have been looking at together. That's just one issue. I, uh, you know, it's a story that I read, but there's lots of other stuff. There's lots of other things that we, that we look down our noses at or that we turn our noses up at and, and, and that, we, that we judge because, you know, we think that, that if, if, we, if we associate in any way with that, then somehow we're going to be, you know, branded with those people. How do we, how do we love and engage people if, if we can't be with them, you know, where they are? I'm not suggesting you go out and sin with them. Please don't get me wrong. But, but we need to somehow join this revolution. And if we're going to truly live intentionally, we're going to serve God with purpose, we need to love unconditionally as well. And so as we look ahead to a new year, I think one of the best resolutions that we could make this morning would be to join the Jesus revolution. You might be thinking, I've got no idea where to begin. I don't even, I don't even know how to start. Well, just, just start really simply. Start with, start with the people that you know. Start with the people that you work with. Start with uh, the neighbors on either side. And, and I'm, you know, I need to do the same thing. We need to, to somehow engage our communities so that, so that Jesus can be seen in us and through our lives. And as we walk you through this series over these next eight weeks or so, we want to give you just really practical tools on how to engage our culture, on how to, to be missional with our lives, on how to be a part of this revolution of love. I love how uh, the, the word revolution is framed behind me because if you look carefully, you can see the word love backwards in the first part of that word. And that's really what this revolution is all about. It's about loving others. It's about engaging our community with the love of Christ. You don't know where to start. It, it, starts, it starts with you. It starts with a resolve to live with intention, to give thought to the way that you live, and to adjust your way of living, to line up with the values of Jesus, to change your mindset and avoid distractions, all of those things that can pull us away uh, and, and serve with purpose. And above all, we need to learn to love unconditionally. And, and I'm right there with you today because this is hard. This is hard, but, but together we want to be a church that is helping people find their way back to God. And one really easy way for you to do this and to get started on this revolution journey, because we, we try and, and help you with this from time to time, we would be to invite someone, invite someone to uh, the Alpha course. We offer Alpha, the Alpha course, every September and every January at Portico Mississauga. And it's a fantastic tool for helping people find their way back to God, people who are searching, people who have questions, people who don't know anything about Christianity. Alpha is a, is a phenomenal way to introduce them to it. And uh, you say, well, we live in Milton, Mississauga, it's far, you know, and, and, and so on. Well, it's not that far, first of all. But secondly, you know, if, if you know people, you work with them downtown or you're commuting out with them, uh, you can stop in Mississauga because we serve dinner we serve dinner at, at quarter to six or six o'clock or so, and then the course is at seven. But you can invite them in to a place where they can hear 
the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. So that's the Alpha Course. And our next one is being offered starting on the 14th of January over at uh, Portico, Mississauga, or the big church, as Andrew calls it. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, you know, a great opportunity if you know somebody who's got questions. Maybe you've been talking to somebody. And you know, sometimes we feel like we don't have all the answers. Well, you don't need to have them all. Uh, bring them somewhere where they can get them. And I think that would be one great opportunity for you to sort of engage in this revolution that we're talking about. I want to take it one step further, though, before I, before I close today and, and say this to you. Um, because I've been, I've been talking a little bit with Pastor Rick, and, and I don't know if it's going to be possible, but we would love to start an Alpha course right here on Wednesday evenings in the fall. Uh, but in order for us to do that, we're going to need some, some good leaders to help us. We need some hospitality people who can help with the food and, and uh, some, uh, another sort of key leader that can do sort of facilitation from the front and, and people who know Jesus who can sit at some of the tables and, uh, and help answer questions during the discussion time after the, the videos are shown. And so I'm just throwing that out there as a little bit of a, a challenge, a little bit of a, a volley across the, the net from, from sort of Portico, Mississauga to Portico, Milton with love. Um, but uh, you know what? You could, you could host an Alpha course right here, and then it would be super easy for you to invite people in from your community to learn about who Jesus is. And, and that would be just one other way that you could serve and live with intention and love people unconditionally by, by helping them to find their way back to God. Sound good? So I want you to pray about that. That's, that's just a little bit of a challenge. You, you may... Uh, you may feel today or, or over the next few months that God is speaking to your heart about getting involved with that and, and helping to lead in Alpha. And don't worry, we'll, we'll train you, we'll give you all the information that you need, but uh, I think it would be phenomenal to be able to host one right here. So I'm looking forward to the rest of this series. I'm not going to be uh, you know, out here with you every Sunday to discuss this together, but uh, we are just excited about engaging our world and about giving you some, some really uh, some really good tools over these next seven weeks or so to be a part of this revolution and rethink, rethink life and relationships. So will you pray with me today? Father, we are, are thankful for your word this morning. And God, I pray that uh, the challenge from your word today would find a resting place in our hearts, that God, we would not just quickly dismiss it as something that we've heard before. We would not just sort of disqualify ourselves because you know, we can never be as good as you, but God, that you would, you would help us to reflect and to think deeply about, God, what it is you're asking us to do different. Lord, it might just be one thing that we need to change in our lives, in our lives to, be, to be more intentional about helping people find their way back to you. It might be, it might be just you know, one conversation that we need to have or one walk across the room that we need to take so that, God, we can, we can begin to love other people and, and see them come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, that's our desire. That's our wish today. And uh, we want to be, be a part of what you've called us to be, a part of your kingdom, helping people find their way back to you. So, Lord, challenge our hearts today. And, and God, as we, as we close out our service in a moment, we pray that your hand will be upon us. And, and we just thank you today for your blessing and for your goodness this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.